Welcome to all you joining us online too. I pray that God blesses you. Uh, would you just uh, humor me this morning? I would like to start with a short word of prayer. Lord God, uh, as we get into this subject today, that's uh, I think kind of difficult as we talk on disputable matters. I, I, I just pray that our hearts would be open uh, to your word today, Lord, and to your ways and to your, um, you know, enlightened thinking. I pray that you would just give us this tenderness in our spirit, Lord, um, just to receive what you have for each one of us this morning. Um, bless those who are in the sanctuary today. Bless those who are listening online. I just pray, Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do of illumination, of bringing the words of Jesus to bear on our minds and our souls. Your name, Jesus. Amen. Years ago, um, Pastor Jeff, who's now in Watertown, was an intern at the church that I was pastoring in Williston, uh, North Dakota. And he came to me one day and said, hey, Steve, I've got an electrical problem at my house. Can you come over sometime and just help me figure it out? And... Uh, I forgot about that request, to be honest with you, for several weeks. And all of a sudden it occurred to me, oh, Jeff asked me to, to come over to his house and help him with his electrical problem. So a Saturday I called him up and I said, do you still have that problem? He said, oh yeah, I, I haven't figured it out. I said, I'm coming over. And so we got over there and uh, to my horror, I kind of learned that his whole upstairs of his house was without power. So it was a two-level house. <laughs> the two bedrooms and bathroom upstairs had no power. And I said, oh my goodness, we got to get the ruggles to move from darkness to light, right? And so we got to figure out why in the world your upstairs is dark. And so we begin to look at all the electrical systems, and he began to educate me. It was an old house, and I don't know if you know anything about wiring, it was a nightmare. And so we're down upstairs in the basement looking at the main fuse box, and it has a reference that the upstairs has another fuse box someplace. And Jeff said, I can't find that fuse box. I looked all over for that fuse box. It's nowhere in this house. I said, that's got to be the problem. And so where would you look for a fuse box that is referenced to be upstairs? Upstairs. Amen? So we go upstairs. I said, it's got to be up here someplace. And so we're looking and we're tracing wires. And I got my little VOM out. I'm, I'm saying, it's dead. This is dead. This is dead. And we found a hot wire. I said, well, there's something over here hot. Oh, that's your outlet. That's hot. There's one outlet upstairs that was hot. And so he finally starts crawling up in the attic looking for it up there. We can't find it. So we go back downstairs. And I said, listen, it's got to be one of these wires just goes all the way upstairs. And all of a sudden we got to this wire. We said, okay, this is it. First of all, it went into a cabinet in the basement. Ah, maybe it's in this cabinet. Nope. We open it up. There's a wire running right through the cabinet. <laughs> He's like, drilled a hole. <laughs> through the cabinet and went, you know. And so then we noticed, oh, but it does go upstairs through, the, through this wall, it looks like, in your hallway going to the basement behind the door that's open. We shut the door to the basement. There it is. It took us an hour and a half to find this crazy fuse box, right? And then we looked, yep, sure enough, the fuse is blown. Screw a new fuse in. He's good to go. And uh, all the other work we did that day was... Just for not. We learned a whole bunch about wiring in the house I don't really care about. Amen? <laughs> but once we got to the fuse box, we got to the source of the problem, and, and pretty soon uh, the Ruggles had power uh, to their house. Today we're getting to this chapter in Romans chapter 14. And I call it the fuse box chapter uh, of the study that we're doing this fall in practical Christianity from Romans. It's like when we figure this stuff out that I'm talking about today, 
It like powers up relationship in your life. You have a different dynamic going on and a different understanding. You have light when there was darkness. It's just a critical section of scripture that we're getting to today that talks on how to deal rightly with disputable matters. And so my tag for the next several weeks for the messages that I'm talking on is how to get along with others. This scripture is how to get along uh, with others. What's interesting about the, 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 the Ruggles house was this. Um, I said to Jeff, what in the world have you been doing for the last few weeks here? He goes, well, we've been using flashlights. What? He said, yeah, we just use flashlights upstairs. If we go to bed, we just use a flashlight. I said, really? And he goes, you know what? It's surprising what you get used to doing. He said, it just became normal. We didn't think anything of it. I said, Really? He said, but I did know this, Steve. He said, I know you and your quirks. <laughs> this is my intern talking to me. He said, I know that when I gave you that kind of challenge, you would not quit until you found the problem. I said, well, that's a little scary that you know that, but it's also a little bit scary that you're willing to just use flashlights upstairs. He goes, well, it's amazing how you just kind of put up with it. And I think sometimes in our relationships with people, in our misunderstanding of what matters and what doesn't matter, we have kind of a blown fuse in our understanding. And we are just like kind of operating with flashlights here. And we're not operating in the full illumination of the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so today, as we get to this Romans chapter 14, what I pray is that the power comes on in your life. And that you begin to understand really how to deal with disputable um, matters. Um, by the way, Pastor Jeff and Kate, who now pastor at... Watertown, and they're part of our networking uh, system here at Grace Point. They moved from Virginia Beach, Virginia Beach, did you hear that? To Williston, North Dakota. I want you to think about that. And they did it with no assurance of even getting to be an intern. He called me one day and said, can I just intern at your church? The denomination said it would be a good experience for me. I'll just work for free. Ha ha ha. That's a pastor's love language, Amen. We did pay him a stipend. It was just peanuts because he had a sleep tech job at the hospital. So Jeff and Kate were willing to put up with a lot in their lives. And this was just an example. Their house was another example of being willing to put up with a lot in order to be available to minister in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, Sometimes relationally we're operating with a blown fuse. So just keep that in mind as we get into today's message. I want to begin with a question for you. Why is it important for Christians to get along? So say, I'm having coffee with you, we're having a donut or whatever, um, and I'm just talking with you, and I might say Lance or David or Shane or somebody, why do you think we should get along with one another as Christians? How would you answer that question? Would you answer that? Would you have an answer for that question? Because I have an answer for that question. It's my opinion. You take it. For what it's worth, this is my opinion. You might have a different answer here. But I believe this. When the followers of Jesus demonstrate love for each other that rises above differences, it's a strong witness that Jesus does indeed change lives. It becomes a strong, strong witness. When we can rise above our differences and demonstrate love for each other, it becomes a strong witness of the reality of who Jesus really is. Jesus said this in... um, John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
Now, how many of you were around in the 1970s and the 1980s? Anybody here? Can you raise your hand? Don't be ashamed. Anyway, I, I remember a song that was super popular, especially it came out in the 60s. I shared it with Kyle. He never heard it. But Kyle's a puppy. He's young. But the song goes like this. We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. Who knows this song? We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity will one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our what? Love. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. And I'm really concerned right now in the Christian community at large that we have been distracted by disputable matters to the point that they don't know we are Christians by our love because of the infighting and misunderstanding that's so prevalent. Back in Romans chapter 13, Paul told us, leave no debt remaining except the debt of love. And then he goes on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. And then it seems like he takes us to some new thoughts. And Pastor Aaron covered this for a couple of weeks, that there's supposed to be this idea of living in the present time and living with some urgency. And I was really struck by, by what Aaron said a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about um, the way that we really affect culture is by living our lives out for Jesus, oftentimes in the small ways. It's not by getting the right president. It's not by, I'll just say these things. It's not by giving, getting a big revival or awakening happening. It's by you and I deciding that when we leave this church every day, we're going to live our lives out loud for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's really how we affect change. And I remember saying that. I'm paraphrasing him in my wording. But I remember saying, preach that, brother. Preach that. It's so true. Amen? And we think sometimes that Paul talked about let no debt of love remaining. Then he went to this live in this present age and live with urgency. Like they're, they're disconnected. He's talking. He's saying one thing. Amen? So he's not really left the topic matter of leave no debt uh, remaining except for the debt of love. It, but he's saying ur- live urgently with that perspective in the present time. You know? And then he gets to chapter 14 and he starts to flesh it out. What does it look like to live a life of love? And he gets into disputable matters. And that's what we're going to talk about for several weeks. And I'm using the tagline, like I said, here of this whole thing is how to get along with one another. That's what we're going to talk about for several weeks, okay? So let me read to you now Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Listen to this. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another's whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. So, if we're going to get to this kind of fuse box moment here, in relationships and have the light kind of come on, we just got to understand what matters in relationships and what does not matter in relationships. And disputable matters don't matter. They're not the primary thing, okay? Um, So what I'm going to do here for a few moments is just go through this scripture, basically verse by verse, and I hope clarify and emphasize 
what it's revealing to you and I. It's kind of a fuse box moment, okay? It should be like, aha, get this. First of all, we want to accept the one whose faith is weak. Pretty clear, right? The word accept here means welcome. So what Paul is saying is, welcome those who have differences than you on disputable matters. Accept them, welcome them, engage with them. Now remember, Paul is writing to a church, and he's writing to us, of course, but he's writing to a church in that Roman culture that you had Romans and Gentiles at it. You had slaves and masters. You had wealthy and the poor. You had educated ones, like Paul was a genius, and you had uneducated people. And basically he's saying is, you're going to have differences. You're going to have different opinions on things that don't matter. Let them remain in that framework of not mattering. Don't make that the main thing of getting along. Diversity is a good thing. Welcome each other. Accept each other. And the operative word for us then, also in our day and age, should be that we welcome people. Amen? That we accept them. And that issues that don't matter, we keep them in that category of not mattering. Boy, I don't think not mattering is even a phrase, but you get what I'm saying. Um, let's get to a further clarification of what does it mean to be weak in faith. I got this from a life application Bible. I think it's really a good definition. A person's faith is weak in an area if that individual must avoid certain activities, people, or places to protect his or her spiritual life. Now, let me right away give you some clarification here. There are activities that we should avoid because they're sinful. Amen? So you're not strong in your faith if you can do any old sinful thing. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying on certain disputable matters, sometimes you just have to avoid them to do okay spiritually. Um, I remember at 3M, starting to work at 3M some 40 years ago, and they flipped a quarter for coffee in the morning my little group, work group. Now, it was easy for me to avoid that situation. You know why? I don't drink coffee. Every now and then I did volunteer to pay for coffee. But let me ask you this. Would this be a quandary for you? What would you do? I mean, it's okay to, to, to flip a quarter. I think it's okay to flip a quarter for coffee. I mean, I'm going to pay a buck if I lose. Okay? I'd probably throw a buck in there every now and then anyway just because they're part of my work team, right? And so it wasn't a big deal, but someone else who has a gambling issue in their life, who's maybe got uh, an uncle or an aunt or somebody that's had a big gambling issue in their life, would say, you never flip, you never gamble. You you don't do that because it leads to the next step. And somebody who is weak in that area, this can be the very thing that gets them into a life of gambling and you don't want to be part of that, right? And so even for a simple matter like flipping a quarter, it becomes something that you have to kind of work out. Now, here's the deal. This is really profound. Are you listening to me? Because I'm going to share with you a truth that's going to change your life. Are you ready for this? You guys are just blowing me off already, aren't you? But I'm going to share with you something super profound, super insightful, and a revelation to some of you, okay? Every single one of us in here has an area in our life where we're weak in our faith. Amen? Amen? 
I'm not going to, amen? Yeah, we do. We all have different areas of weaknesses. So the last thing we want to do when we read the scripture is become a little bit condescending and get on our high horses and say, well, I don't have any of these issues. These other people have areas of weakness, but I don't have this and have a, a, a spiritual superiority thing going on. If you're thinking that right now, that's your area of weakness. Amen? Amen. So I know I have certain weaknesses in my life. I know that the only way I can deal with them is to probably avoid that situation. And sometimes it's even a certain person that you have to avoid for a season to figure out how to deal with them or whatever you might be, okay? And, and, and you do that in order to protect your spiritual well-being. And I'm saying that that's okay. When we read the word weakened faith here, we think, oh, there's, those people have a problem and the other one is okay. No! Paul's saying to the one that can eat meat, don't condemn them for not eating meat if they're a vegetarian. And if you're a vegetarian, don't you judge that person and say they're just a fat meat-eating person. I mean, not fat physically, fat in the meat. Okay, you follow what I'm saying? <laughs> Boy, that didn't come out real well, but you know what I'm saying. So here's a reflection question for you to consider today. What is your area of weakness to avoid? So, so we can go through this message and we can give it some intellectual, uh, you know, agreement. We can say, oh, okay. But what I want to do with you a little bit as we go through the next few weeks, I want you to engage. So what's your area of weakness? Do you know it? How are you dealing with it? What are you doing to safeguard your heart? Are you letting other people know that you have that issue a little bit so they can be understanding and work with you on it? Amen? It's really important. I like that someone said amen. Thank you. So let's go on to, 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 to you know, clarification point number two. Do not pass judgment on disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another's whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. So let's talk on this meat disputable matter. It's an example of how we're supposed to treat disputable matters. Some Jewish believers... Evidently, when they came to Christ, figured out that the dietary laws were just pointing them to Christ. So they're fine with eating meat now. Some Gentile believers, most likely, came out of this culture where meat was sacrificed to a pagan god, and then was sold to the market, and knew that if I went to the market to buy meat, it could have been sacrificed to one of the, the Roman gods, and I could inadvertently be eating meat. But they thought, well, meat's meat. Doesn't matter what somebody said over it, it's, it's still just meat, and I'm okay with eating the meat, okay? So there was definitely that group of people. Are you seeing this? They, they were saying, I know who I'm in Christ. I'm secure. I'm not worried about um, these other things. Um, we're going to learn in a couple of weeks, or we're going to learn as we go through this series of messages, the guiding principle when it comes to the disputable matters for you and me is that everything we do should be done with the perspective of pleasing Jesus Christ. All right? So... I could have a very different opinion on some matter than you if it's a secondary issue. If you're doing it to please Jesus and I'm doing it to please Jesus, we're all okay, amen? Amen? This is super, super important uh, to get. Um, so uh, those who elected to eat only vegetables, 
So if they're of Jewish descent, perhaps they thought the dietary laws are really good. They remind me of who God is, and they're probably better for my body. I don't know if they thought that way back then. They probably did. And they might quote the example of Daniel in the Old Testament. They said, you know, Daniel, when he was taken into captivity by the Babylonians, he refused to eat the royal food and made an appeal to be you know, vegetables and, and drink water only. And he ended up being more robust and more healthy than his contemporaries. And Daniel did that to honor God and to honor the Jewish traditions and, and, and all that because he felt like the food that he was being offered was unclean. And they may, may say, well, there's my logic for being a vegetarian. Not bad logic, is it? And, and, and then you might have uh, the Gentile who, who uh, came to Jesus Christ and really wanted to devote his life to Jesus Christ. Didn't want anything to do with his past culture. Said, I just want to, I want to have a clean cut here. I want nothing to do. And I don't want to even unintentionally endorse some of the pagan worship that's going on in Rome here. And so I don't even want to buy any meat from the market because it might have been offered to uh, one of these gods. And so I, I'm going to set my life aside and follow God wholeheartedly like that. So I'm just to eat veg- vegetables. That's okay, isn't it? Amen. Not supposed to judge, not supposed to condemn. Supposed to accept one another on these disputable matters. In fact, you know what? Sometimes God has to take us away from our own hang-ups so that he can do a work he wants to do in our lives. Peter is at a house and he's going to have a meal and he goes on the roof to pray. So he's sitting up there and he's praying, you know, and God comes to him in, in a vision. And in that vision, his sheet comes down from heaven full of animals that are unclean. And a voice says to him, kill and eat. Peter's an Orthodox Jew. He says, I can't do this. Nothing impure or unclean has ever touched my lips. And the voice says to him, don't call impure what God is calling clean. And that happened three times. God was making a point. And what God was really telling Peter was, you're considering Gentiles unclean. You don't want to associate with them. You don't want to eat with them. I'm saying they're clean to me. Associate with them and eat with them. And so, so God is constantly working on us in these secondary issues to make himself known. And, and how we deal with them sometimes becomes an avenue um, for, for growing in our, our depth of understanding of who God uh, really is. Um, you may be thinking at this point, what does this have to do with me at all? I don't care about food. Amen? Anybody thinking that? Would you be willing to admit it if you were? Yeah, we might be thinking that. It's an example of how we deal with disputable matters. It's not the only disputable matter, of course. Um, you know, um, you mean, let's let, let me, can, okay, I'm going to just say stuff. <laughs> we had these conversations about, can I drink a beer or not? Amen? I came to this church 11 years ago. And one of the reputations that we still had in town was we were the church where we didn't allow anyone to drink alcoholic beverages. Of course, we're going to drink water, milk, you know, amen? So when people say you can't drink, I said, do you mean you can't drink milk or water? What are you talking about here? I, I'm kind of a smart aleck. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. And that's what we're known as, as our reputation. Well, that's not really a good reputation to have. Right? But we, you know, when it comes to drinking beer or something... I come from an alcoholic family. My dad was an alcoholic. I don't drink anything alcoholic because it's bad memories for me. Amen? So I have a reason for what I'm doing. I avoid it because it's painful. 
If you go out with me and you drink a beer, I don't care less. <gasps> I just said it. From the pulpit of the church. People will drink a beer and go, I'm sorry. I said, why are you sorry to me? Do you, do you love God? Yeah. I don't care. It's between you and God. Amen? Amen. Are you hearing this? Now, I know for some of us, we're going, oh, boy, he just crossed the line. I did not. I don't think I did. How about movies? If you're a Wesleyan, anybody an age-old Wesleyan in here? Long time. Like Connie Hobby or me age, old Wesleyans. We couldn't watch movies. They were bad. <laughs> so there was, a, there was a history in our denomination where movie going was wrong. It was seen as you know, participating in something that was bad. Um, I watch movies. Do you watch movies? But when they start using the Lord's name in vain multiple times, I'm not with the movie. I'm going to turn it off. Usually Vicky before me says, I can't take this anymore. Because I go into the just dumb mode when I watch the show. How about you? And, you know, if they're going to F-bomb me, I'm done with the movie. I, I, don't, I don't need to hear that. I hear that enough from real life. I don't need to bring it to my house, okay? So there should be some standards, but I don't know. You have to make up your mind. It's a disputable matter. Um, okay, here we go. How about mass? Yeah, some of you are already shaking your head. Don't go there, Steve. Don't go there. Don't go there. Should that be an issue that's dividing the church in half? No. It breaks my heart. One time I was saying up here just casually that I had gotten the vaccination. You know, I couldn't visit people in the hospital without getting the vaccination. There were some reasons. I, I, said, I mentioned I got a vaccination, and I saw some people going, ah, 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 in the church. And I just want to stop saying, stop saying that to me. We have to make decisions that work for us in these matters, right? I'm sorry, that was more emotional than I meant it to be. But you follow what I'm saying? Come on now. Come on now. There's not nanotechnology going in through my arm. It's not the mark of the beast. Okay, I'm just saying these things that are getting said to me. Some of you are going, wow. And that, this is the one that's being recorded, so, oh well. Um, you know, and should we engage and not engage in social media? I've chosen not to. Because I can't friend all of you people. It's just impossible. I can't keep up with the social media. It's impossible. So that, anyway, that's selfish. Um, anyway, let's, let's move on. I'm, I'm talking too much on this. Let's move on. Um, here's a perspective, okay? When it comes to disputable matters, all right, secondary issues, your stance, friends, does not make you more spiritual than somebody else. That's something we got to take away here from Paul's writing. It's okay to have a stance. It's okay to have opinions. It's okay to be passionate about some of these things. That's good, good for you. Good for me, right? But they don't make you more spiritual. Second, secondarily, do not make a stance on a disputable matter, some secondary issue, then a badge of loyalty to Christianity. Don't do that. That's what Paul's basically saying here. So let's go on to point number three here. Uh, another, the last clarification point. You are accountable to God. Ultimately, you are accountable to God for, for what you do. Um, our reading in Romans 14 ended today basically saying, you know, we stand or fall before our God, and our God is able to make us stand. And so much of our life really is gray, 
It's not clearly defined. And we need to have this attitude, I'm going to do, Lord Jesus, the most pleasing thing I can do for you. And because I know ultimately I'm accountable to you for what I do. Amen? And ultimately I'm going to stand before uh, you one day and give an account on why I did what I did, why I said what I said, and why I took the stances I, I took. Now, so, we're sitting in here, and Dylan's here, and, you know, Ethan, whatever. We might have very different opinions on a secondary issue. Okay? But if you're doing it to please the Lord, you're doing it to please the Lord, I'm doing it to please the Lord, we're all okay. Amen? It's such a difficult concept for us to wrap our minds around, but that's really how this works. We can't make... A disputable matter, a matter, a badge of loyalty. As long as we're doing it to please our Lord, then, then our motivation is correct. Uh, Ed Stetzer is a uh, Bible teacher and leader that people tend to listen to a lot today. And I, I have this quote from him. He said this, I, I continue to see movements gaining traction among Christians that do not seem to have any converts. In other words, they have recruits to their cause, but few converts to Jesus Christ. And I'm concerned that in the name of pursuing this cause or fixing the church, we're not proclaiming the gospel. If you are passionate about what you believe, you're naturally going to want others to get it, as you have. For example, you'd not be a very good charismatic if you didn't want me, he says, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. However, I think it's unhelpful that some and perhaps many reformed, emerging, missional, denominational, Baptist, house church, charismatic, and every other kind of Christian spend more time and energy pursuing other believers um, than they do reaching the lost. So, let's have some fun. You want to have some fun? Come on now, this is not a loaded question. I'm going to talk with you for a few moments. I want you to enter into my world, Aaron's world, a little bit. Because we speak and so we get the helpful comments frequently. Um, And they are. People are well-intentioned that talk to us and stuff. So I want you to think about this. Say we're talking about some critical issue in culture or in the church. It could be mass. I'm okay with that. I like talking. I like robust conversation. How about you? And chances are, whatever position you take on a secondary issue, I will take one sort of contrary to it just to see what you do. And people think, I don't know what he believes. Good. Okay? Because I just want you to think about it when you're talking to me about these things. But let's imagine we have five different people here with five different kind of perspectives, and we're going to get together, and we're going to talk on some kind of a sensitive issue, like what should the church be doing? What should be our goal? Or a mask issue, or should I be vaccinated or not vaccinated? All right? Should, should we be complementarian in our theology, or should we be egalitarian in our theology? If you don't know what that means, go ahead and ask Pastor Aaron. But, but you'd follow what I'm saying, these kinds of things, to get into these issues. So, so I'm going to offend a lot of you right now. It's unintentional. Because I'm all these. So I'm just going to admit that, Okay? So if I say something and you think, oh, that's not fair to say that I think like that, I'm sorry. I'm still going to say it. But at any rate, so let's say we had the first person here and they're the traditionalist. Amen? Old is good. New, by and large, kind of sketchy. 
We want to make sure that we keep the traditions of our forefathers alive. And all these things are such big anchor points. And we don't want to lose our heritage, right? And we don't want to lose our grounding. I hear this kind of conversation or hear these kind of thoughts. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm an older person. I'm okay with some of that. Okay. But here's the thing I find being a, a big problem. Some of the old traditions that are considered so sacred are not biblical. They're not based on anything biblical. They're just a tradition that's taken on a life of its own and it's become almost equal with Christianity, uh, you know, values and things. And so, so I'm, on, I'm willing to look back and say, why a lot? How about you? So this person and this group, if they're going to sing a song, would sing, Faith of Our Fathers. <laughs> and some of you don't even know what that song is, do you? But it's an old hymn that talks about this faith of our fathers, faith, faith, boom, right? And so you have this person. Okay, now let's move to this next group. This is my fun group. The emergent person. About a decade ago, emergent Christianity was really becoming a little bit of a movement. And what emergent means is they all sat around in a circle. There was no leader. They all had eagle voices. They all talked about something. And they all shared what they knew and mostly what they didn't know. Sounds like social media, amen? <laughs> you get on social media, and basically you're hearing what most people don't really know much about, amen? And that, of course, is on equal level as the experts, which always mystifies me. I'm diverging. Okay, so the emergent person, they really believe in kind of a group therapy, kind of get together, kind of like all of us share, and they were doing these church movement things, and they would just have a group of 12, and they would get really heretical quickly because nothing was out of bounds. Everybody could say anything they thought. And so a lot of things were being said that weren't really right. And if they were going to try to sing a song, they couldn't. You know why? Because they all have a different opinion. And they're all going to sing their own little song. Okay, so then you go over here. This is the person that's all about doing what's new. The new movement person. Uh, you would know them this way. You, when you hear this phrase, don't put new wine in an old wine skin. That's somebody that's into the new movement kind of thing of God. Uh, especially the charismatic kind of side of things. And I have a lot of background on that. I heard that phrase a lot. We don't put new wine in an old wine skin. It'll just burst. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and so they're all about new, 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 new. And they would love the most recent song on, you know, the Christian radio. That would be their favorite song. Okay, what do you think about these two? Put yourself in my position once and you're dealing with those two. The same service, you can get feedback from this person and this person that are, are 360 degrees or 180 degrees, I should say it right, because 360 bring you back together, but 180 degrees apart. Amen? So you just smile and say, oh, I hear you. Okay, anyway, next person <laughs> you, you get to is, um, um, for some reason, I've just gone blank, so I'm going to look at my notes. <laughs> so I have no problem with being humble. And um, oh, how can I forget this person? This is the free person. I'm free in Christ, free indeed, amen? It's liberties and rights, and no one can tell me what to do. Hearing any of that? <laughs> this is not new to the pandemic, guys. <laughs> I have a lot of people I know, if you're free in Christ, you're free indeed. What do you mean by that when they say, I ask them, what do you mean? I'm free, I'm not shackled by anything. You aren't, you know? And so their favorite song would be Newsboys. I am free. We sing that song here. Some of you who are older, you didn't know it was by Newsboys. Now you're going, oh boy, that's not a good song. 
you're over there. Oh, I didn't know that was by Newsboys. We'd never sing that song if it was Newsboys. It's a good song. But uh, we hear a lot of this voice today in our, in our discussions on what's going on. And then the last one over here um, is uh, the non-denominational boy. <laughs> they don't believe in denominations. I grew up in that. How, anybody grow up in that? Denominations are kind of like, ooh, they're not so good. And uh, what I found out about non-denominational people is that they naturally form their own denomination. Because <laughs> as soon as you get a few people together, you, you get a core value system going and a belief system. My friends, that's called a denomination. <laughs> so I could speak to that from, from my own history. Um, uh, but one of the things I took away from that experience in my life was, um, especially at Way of the Cross, is we sang psalm songs from the psalms that I can't tell you how much they changed my heart. They're just scripture song, week after week after week after week. And guess what? All of a sudden, you're learning all kinds of scripture. You don't even know you're doing it. And some of those songs, I, can still, I still can just sing them. And so there's always good. So now, put yourself in my position. Dave or Aaron, Brian, anybody, pastors here, you know, put it. Put you. Let's get some unity here on this matter. You know, we're talking on stuff. And in my heart, I'm going, we are one in the Spirit, please, Jesus. We are one in the Lord. And my heart starts breaking when we begin to really fight. Oh, Jesus, we're one in the Spirit, aren't we? One in the Lord. And then you get to the next one. And we pray that all unity would one day be restored. And they'll know we're Christians by our love. You see the challenge of all this? I want you to see the challenge of it all. And I want you to understand your own piece of this and be aware of it, okay? Because this is real. You can just replace these categories with other kind of belief systems. And so we have to understand what's a disputable matter and what is not a disputable matter. Now, let me give you a couple guiding principles and I'm done. Avoid the temptation to be overfocused on recruiting people to your cause. Watch out for that. You may, be, you may have a passion for some of these disputable matters, you know? Sometimes we're passionate about diet. I'm kind of passionate about diet. Sometimes we're passionate about masks, wearing them or not wearing them. I've seen the very passionate on both sides. Sometimes we're really passionate about a worship methodology or, boy, I tell you, politics. Woo, baby. Is there some passion going on there? And I'm going to say this. It's okay to have these passions, and it's okay to invest energy into these things, but remember this, hear this, make sure to prioritize your focus and the focus of those around you on the gospel of Jesus. Always come back to Jesus. Now, gospel just means the good news of Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection, and I'm going to give you, because Aaron uses this language, I use this language sometimes, I want to just give you a couple gospel givens. So when we use the word gospel, we're talking about the life and teachings of Jesus and how they affect us. There are some things that are non-negotiable. For instance, here's a gospel given. Salvation is found in no one but Jesus Christ. Amen? There's no other solution. It's all about Jesus. Don't lose sight of that. Racial reconciliation. It's all about Jesus, man. Social injustice, if it's ever going to be done, it's all about Jesus, amen? If it comes to um, having a full 
satisfying life. It's all about Jesus. When I begin to lose that focus personally, that's when despair and depression set in. Those are indicators I'm putting my hope in something other than Jesus. And it turns me back to Jesus is all about you. It's that simple. I know that you know this, and I know some may be thinking, well, I already know this. Yeah, but you've got to really know it. It's got to be convictional. Second gospel given, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our problem here is sin. Amen? And their natures are tending to be sinful uh, naturally. And so we're not naturally good, we're naturally sinful. Sin is ugly and sin is destructive. Sin put Christ on the cross. And then we have this gospel given. You're saved by grace through faith. It's not something you earn. God freely gives it to us. And your response to God is to simply believe and receive. Amen? These are gospel givens. So when we use the term gospel, these are the things we're thinking. These are the things that we never negotiate on. We never get into. These are the things we drive everything back to. Let's go to the second point, uh, uh, guideline, and we're done. Be sensitive to others. Be sensitive to others. Not allowing disputable matters to destroy relationships. Wow. Is that not a now word to us, church? Be sensitive to others. And don't let disputable matters destroy a relationship. It's not worth it. It's not worth the cost. Amen? Can you do that? Amen? It's just not worth it. Over in 1 Corinthians in chapter 8 and 9, Paul talks about, you know, his attitude. He said, if somebody can't eat meat and it causes them to stumble, I'll never eat meat again. Because I don't want to do anything that causes a brother to stumble in their faith. And then Paul also says that I'm willing to become all things all people. So to the Jew, I'm like the Jew. To the Gentile, I'm like the Gentile. Um, he did not want matters that did not matter to get in the way of what really matters. Okay? And so Paul said, to me, I'm going to lay my life down gladly because I want people's focus to be on Jesus Christ. And I think, and I could say this, and I'm speaking for both Aaron and I, we speak to you guys a lot. That's our heart. Are you hearing me? Our heart, church, is for you to love Jesus Christ with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love others as yourself. So be sensitive to others, and don't demolish relationships over a disputable matter that doesn't have anything of significance when it comes to eternity. Now, on the other hand, if someone says you have to do these 18 things to be okay with Jesus, and they start adding a whole bunch of stuff on, that's not a weaker brother, that's a, a legalist. And you probably need to avoid that. But we'll get into that more next week. We're going to continue this next week. Amen? So either you'll come back or you don't want to hear what I have to say next week. But at any rate, let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for today. Thank you for Paul's uh, insightful, illuminating teaching. It's, it's, hard, it's hard subject matter. And I know even for me personally, Lord, the last couple of years, it's been just, it's been... It's been hard to navigate through the things that are going on. And I just pray for each one of us to have an extra measure of grace during these times, Lord, that are are challenging. More than anything, Jesus, create in us a heart that wants to please you, a heart that truly loves you, our God, and a heart that truly loves other people. And I want to pray that, yeah, we could have robust discussions about, you know, things like masks or injections or whatever, politics, I don't know, whatever would be the thing. But I pray, Lord, that when all is said and done, we always go back to you, Jesus, as our only hope, as the only solution for this world. Keep us centered on you, Jesus, I pray. 
Would you bless the people here and fill them with your Holy Spirit, Jesus? Give us great discernment to be in these times, Lord, and to have words of wisdom come out of our mouths, seasoned with your salt and your light, Jesus. I just pray that's who we are. And bless them, Lord. Bless each one here. May they be uh, 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 just a, a great ambassador for you, Jesus, whatever situation they find themselves in. In your name, Jesus. Amen.